friends way at night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martini's Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about the trends and traditions of drinking in France. And I think, you know, there's a lot of focus these days on on sort of local consumption and and really appreciating where you are. And we're really, really lucky here in France because we have great quality when it comes to food, when it comes to drinks. Um, we've got a great global reputation. We've got this uh, real tradition of terroir and distillation history that means we have some great spirits. And in recent years, we've seen something that I'm really, really loving, which is bar- some bars that are opening with a 100% focus on French ingredients. And they're, so I feel like it's kind of both celebrating kind of a locavore movement and also domestic quality. So and I think there's something really special about when that happens here in France, maybe as opposed to other other countries that can also do the same, and I would applaud them for doing that. But I think in France, well, I'm maybe a little biased, but I just think we're super lucky because we have so many great things to choose from when it comes to, to local ingredients. So to talk about this a little bit more, these 100% French-focused bars and a couple in, in, in particular, um, I've got Giovanni Alaria. Uh, who is head bartender and manager at La Sandica, which is one of these bars here in France, to to talk to me a little bit more about it. So welcome, Giovanni. Hi, Forrest. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm uh, ready to talk everything in French, and it's quite funny because I'm Italian, so <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If you've got an American and an Italian talking about 100% French bars and spirits. I love it. Yeah, it's, um, it's because we're <laughs> It is. It's cosmopolitan, but I also think that speaks to the fact that it's such a good topic. You know, neither of us are are naturally French, um, although I will be getting my citizenship soon. Um, but but we still love we still love this subject, and we're fully engaged in it. So I think that that's something that really speaks to the fact that French ha- France has some good stuff going on. All right. Um, before I start rambling. <laughs> um, First of all, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about um, about the Sandica and the Commune, the the two bars that that we're talking about here? Um, just kind of about what their philosophy is and their approach to drinks and cocktails, maybe even a little bit of the inspiration behind their creation. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, just giving a little bit of context before, uh, Sandica and La Commune are two bars in Paris, uh, both of them in kind of like uh, up-and-coming areas of the city, and they've been open uh, respectively for six years, the Sandica and La Commune for four right now. And uh, as you said, uh, we only use 100% uh, French spirits, which is practically uh, awesome. And at the same time, it's uh, it's a challenge every day. So uh, the idea behind these two bars is that um, uh, we have a lot, a lot of uh, really good uh, spirits, a lot of variety that almost none of other uh, countries in the world, I think, have uh, this, I mean, this richness behind in terroir in uh, production for spirits and uh, the, uh, the shame in this side is that uh, until six years ago uh, nobody in France or a little, just really a little part of the of the people of the French people kind of consumed uh, no how do you say uh, wait consumed <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. consumed thank you <laughs> uh, practically none of the French people consumed these products or kind of forgot about them or they thought they were kind of like 
old and just for uh, for old people to drink because probably they had an um, a bad introduction to them because they probably tried the the cousins uh, eau de vie made in uh, in the backyard and not always that's good <laughs> but um, uh, since we um, we noticed this lack of interest and this uh, huge possibility and uh, this ocean of opportunities let's say we wanted to uh, get spearhead let's say into this uh, into this um, topic and put that back in front starting from france and bringing them uh, up in international on international stage and i think that's great and i think that you've done such a a wonderful job in doing that um and i so as you know i have your tote bag and and a coaster and i'm familiar with the um with the tagline grandpa's spirits um g- gangsta so um so I love that. I think it's fun. I think it's funny. And I do think that it reflects the idea that I think a younger French generation has that some of these different spirits like Calvados or Cognac, you know, that's what my, my papi drank or that's, you know, my, my dad's spirit. So I love the idea of kind of trying to reintroduce this to, well, to a general audience and especially a younger audience. What do you feel like um, from in the bars, the reaction has been to the French audience to to bring in these these spirits back and putting them forefront and, and infusing new life into them? Uh, as you said, uh, I mean, the tagline of the bar since day one has been where grandpa spirits go gangsta, because uh, as we've been talking about, um, all the spirits that we use are kind of like forgotten spirits, dusty bottles and all of that in everyone's imaginary. But uh, actually, they're really, really good for anyone that's that just willing to uh, give them a try. And uh, the contrast that we wanted to uh, to uh, to create within the bars is just exactly these uh, really traditional spirits, really traditional liquid, and all the history that goes with it, and uh, put a really, really big contrast uh, as for the ambience in the bar because we play a lot of hip hop, and uh, thanks uh, to this, all of these uh, world music were from the United States as well. All the cognac has uh, has gained a lot of uh, a lot of visibility worldwide. So. Between these two uh, vibes, between these two words, we tried to do something that was easy and approachable. And that's why we are in these two districts of the city, 10th arrondissement and the 20th, that both of them are really uh, popular and uh, really lively. So a lot of uh, young people just came in because they heard some cool music. They heard uh, that there was some cocktails going on like six years ago. And it's uh, it was uh, the start of the crazy cocktail craze in Paris. So everybody was uh, interested into discovering a little bit more about cocktails and uh, and of course they were attracted by the music and the easygoing vibe and then they just came in and they found like really old bottles of uh, Armagnac, a lot of, a lot of bottles of uh, Marc de Bourgogne which is this kind of like crazy uh, uh, kind of grappa from Burgundy and uh, it's, everybody just said what is going on here and they were a little bit blown away but in the end uh, as, as you create a little bit of uh, of interest in this uh, in these products in these categories kind of like forgotten categories everybody is like is willing and, uh, and more than happy to discover more and more about it and and that's the fun part of it because probably everyone has one of uh, of these bottles that we use every day but no one uses his own because they don't know what it is. They are a little bit scared, and uh, it's it's super cool because we're just demystifying a little bit all these uh, these really famous 
spirits. They have uh, this allure, this, uh, this, this, how you say this, um, this, oh, how you say that? Uh, I know, it's sort of like a mysterious. Um, how you say that? A oh, mysterious a allure, how you say that? So, uh, yeah, allure. So uh, they have this uh, mystic and uh, mysterious soul that no one's it's willing to uh, to discover, and then you just explain them what it is. That oh, I've, I've already tried it, and they're just like, all right, let's try a cocktail, and uh, and they discover another another uh, facet to this spirit, and I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool too, and I don't want to get too sort of you know philo- philosophical about it, but I do think <laughs> in 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 spirits, in cocktails, in food, and in life, so often we overlook things that either we we don't take a few minutes to understand or we don't understand, so it just sort of stays off of our radar. And it only takes like a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of a nudge, a little bit of an unveiling of something for people to realize, hey, this isn't as scary or or as unknown or as dusty and and depressing and old as I thought it was. This is really actually exciting. And so, um, so I think that that's, uh, you know, I love that that people are, are having the opportunity to rediscover things that they probably didn't notice or didn't appreciate before. And I want to talk a little bit more specifically about how you're making them rediscover them, not just from having all these great bottles on the shelves and focusing just on French products, but how do you work them into the cocktail menu? I mean, you've got some cocktail creations. Are you still, I know, by the way, as we're recording this, it's it's still confinement and bars are closed. So I know when we're discussing it, we're talking about what's happened in the past or may happen in the future. But what? how do you work them into your cocktail program? Are you going to be continuing to put them in reimagining classics with only French ingredients, continuing to do creations? Um, I know a little bit because I've tasted some of the new the cocktail off the winter menu, but can you share some of your cocktail approach with the listeners? All right. So we always wanted to uh, impress people, not just from the uh, liquid standpoint, but uh, from the visual point and everything. So even if we, uh, we've been uh, doing uh, some uh, twists on classics and we've been uh, trying to uh, work from a solid basis, we always try to add a little touch, a little crazy touch, in uh, in the presentation or something else, or even in the um, in the recipe in the liquid itself. So we uh, we try and uh, work in two different ways. So uh, while building up uh, a cocktail menu, we have uh, some like twelve, let's say, because that's a good amount of cocktails for a cocktail menu. Is twelve creations that might have uh, a, let's say um, an ideal uh, classic cocktail as a basis, but then. As we go with the creation of it, we just might get totally different results from what we expected. So we we get a lot of uh, our creativity in there, and uh, the result is pretty cool because sometimes we uh, we get uh, a twist on a martini as the one you had, and uh, the only thing that makes it a little bit different is a spherification inside. So it's something that everybody can relate to. And uh, some other times we went with uh, some more, uh, let's say, uh, culinary type of uh, approach and we ended up having mousses and uh, having foams and uh, different textures and colors. So working on, on, these, uh, on these menus, we, we've, been, uh, we've been trying to, to get at some point where you have something recognizable and, uh, and comforting 
from the client's point of view. And on the other side, something gets them outside of the comfort zone or the, the gets them somewhere they didn't ever get to with the experimentation, having a drink, because especially here in France, uh, everybody is a lot about beers and wines. So cocktails is a little bit not that known. So we wanted to... Uh, to it's always part of the the process to get them to discover uh, the spirits from different points of view. So we want to comfort them on the side, and then on the other side, when they see something totally, uh, totally different from what they know, passing through the through the bar, they just look at us and go, like, "What's that? I want to try it." So it's uh, creating a little bit more of a of interesting, a little bit more uh, more options for the clients to 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 taste and to, to have fun. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is a really great formula for introducing people to something new, either wrap it in something comforting or, you know, don't completely hit them over the head with something that's, that's completely un, uh, un understandable that, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like two pronged approach seems really successful. Of course, then you have always the, the classic cocktails that we can do uh, at, at the bar. It's uh, like the vast majority of cocktail or classic cocktails we can make at the bar, even if we only have French spirits. So we have to reinvent a little bit or try to, to find a way to, uh, to turn the classic cocktails and uh, use the French, uh, the French products inside. So we, we always have our challenges and we always can, uh, can make people happy if they only want to, to try something they already know. So, you know, France does have a lot of great stuff. We talked about con cognac, calvados, you've got all the liqueurs, you know, you've got chartreuse, things that are ver vermouths, things that are already sort of cornerstones of, of craft cocktails. Um, you've, you've got French whiskeys. Uh, what is something, oh, tons of different eau de vies. I mean, I know I mentioned cognac and calvados, but, you know, there's a lot. So, but what are some of the challenges, like tequila kind of based things? Like what would you, how would you reimagine that? Or what do you find most challenging to find a French replacement for? All right. So right now in the last like two, three years, a lot of, uh, a lot of producers have, have been trying to recreate or uh, trying to uh, approach the, um, the categories of spirits that France doesn't historically have. Let's say uh, Amaras from Italy, let's say, let's think uh, like Campari or uh, as you said, tequila, mezcal. A lot of people have, have been trying lately to, to get into these kind of like, categories. But um, we we've been uh, we've been open since before these uh, these experimentations, and uh, it's pretty yeah it's pretty difficult for me. For example, I'm Italian and I, and I love like my bitterness. So uh, till now, you only had Suze as a kind of like bitter agent, bittering agent that's been uh, kind of like worldwide known. But apart from uh, Gentian distillates or liquors there's not a lot of choice but yeah all these products that have like uh, the real characteristic flavors and mouthfeels and all uh, these universe that goes with them it's really really difficult to uh, to uh, substitute let's uh, let's think like for example a classic cocktail uh, you have uh, probably with a bitter inside you only have the brooklyn you can do because we have pecan but then if you, you want to use Fernet Branca, for example, you don't have it. So we, we've been trying to, uh, to do our own blends or exactly we, uh, we've been uh, uh, trying to, um, 
to sub in a, a little bit of a homemade products that we do, like liquors or uh, or just just with simple syrups that been infused with some herbs, and uh, we've been trying to to find our way through through these uh, kind of like tricky classic cocktails. And uh, for example, I, I was thinking about uh, margaritas, as you said, tequila, and uh, we've been trying to 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 switch the tequila and use uh, Eau de Vidi Myrte, which is a myrtle distillate. It's typical from, uh, from course, the region, Corsican region. And it's this berry, but use not only the berry, but also the, a little bit the wood of the berry. So it gets a little bit of this uh, sharp and herbal feeling that you get normally in tequila. And then you just put a little bit of gin inside and you try to recreate this, this kind of like universe in it. Well, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, something that kind of back in the day, I don't know what the state of spirits are in Canada at the moment, but, you know, Canada developed a really um, interesting craft cocktail, um, uh, craft cocktail scene when all of these things were kicking off, because I think at the time they didn't have access, um, probably, I don't know, due to their laws or, or importing, I don't, I don't exactly remember why, but they had limited access to certain spirits and things. And so it forced them to be a little bit more creative. And I think which really fostered a really interesting craft cocktail scene in Canada. Specifically, I'm talking about Vancouver, which is where I've spent more time than in other parts of Canada. So I think that, you know, those challenges are, are not just interesting things for the clientele to learn to sort of expand their horizons, but I also think it's, it's really great. It's a great way to grow as a bar and as, as a bartender and as a creator of cocktails to kind of push yourself. So, so bravo guys. I think that, you know, I think that's super interesting. Um, have yeah, you had uh, any, it, a, a, it, sorry, <laughs> no, I was saying, no, I was no. saying that it's great. It's great because you, you don't just stick to what you used to, but, uh, but you have to find your way to, to have, uh, a result that resembles what you want to drink and uh, what the people want to drink, but you have to find uh, find some different like um, mixing ingredients. You have to find different uh, approaches to uh, to the, the final result, and you have to work your way out. So it's really stimulating, yeah, every day. Yeah. Um, what about, can you share any, like, what are some of the more popular either spirits or cocktails at the bar, things that seem to really speak to the French public? Uh, well, uh, at the bar, normally we we, we use uh, to have a lot of uh, tourists when that was still possible back in the day. Uh, and uh, the French public, they're really interested into uh, rum because uh, they're used to it, because they they have rum accessible from a really young age, because, I mean, in France, you have all the the ex-colonies, uh, uh, all the ex-colonies that brought historic rum to, to France, like Martinique, like Guadeloupe, Réunion, all these uh, beautiful islands that produce really, really good rum. So they're really used to, to rum. Or uh, French people, they... They love like the smokiness a little bit, the the peated side of uh, of whiskey a lot. So they're really into whiskey and rum normally. This kind of like uh, age spirits, uh, and of course uh, a lot of people they ask still for a lot of gin. But then again, with the tourists is a little bit different. A lot of, uh, of people from the United States, Canada, or even uh, from Japan, they come in. For example, Japan they're crazy about Calvados. It's uh is one of the biggest spirits in Japan, and I remember one night, for example, we had this Japanese collector 
of Calvados at the bar. And uh, we started talking of a, of a really cool uh, Calvados brand that I love. And at the same time, the producer of that Calvados walked into the bar. And that's the cool part of a work. Yeah, because that's the cool part of working on Sandy Guy is that, I mean, everything is, is not that far, let's say. Everything, all the producers, apart from the Rums ones, of course, they're in France. So if you just take a car or a train, you're four hours away. So you can, we know, I'd say 70% of the producers. And at that point, he walks in and is like, oh, we were talking about you with him. And the Japanese collector, in the end, had one bottle really really old bottle of calvados that even the producer didn't have anymore so i believe uh well actually before we move into the cocktail of the month um can you what even though you're closed now can you tell the listeners where they might follow along um you know online or uh, you know if they want to kind of take a look at the cocktails you're making and just follow along with the sandy, sandy cat and commune Sure. So we've been uh, pretty active. I mean, because uh, since the bars are open, uh, still closed, we we've been trying to uh, to let people know that we don't forget them, and uh, we started doing some uh, some cocktails at home, really easy recipes that they could uh, recreate at home with uh, with some let's say seasonal ingredients and easy easy to bottle easy to find bottles, and uh, you can find all of these ideas, all of the cocktails, all the news about the bars at. Uh, on Instagram at Le Syndicat and at La Commune, especially. Then we have other Instagram pages that you can just we we're gonna give you the little hashtags if you wanna if you wanna find them. Yeah, well, send me the little hashtags because I will um, also put all of this in the show notes. So if listeners aren't right, you know can't take you a little note, um, yeah, so send it over and and I'll put everything that people need to follow along uh, in the in the show notes so they can Beautiful. so they can find you. Now, I believe that you have a, an amazing cocktail to share with the listeners. So why don't you take it, take over for the cocktail of the month? Let's do it. So the cocktail of the month is called Banana Snow, which is really fitting because like two days ago, it's, uh, it started snowing here in Paris. And the idea is that, as I said, uh, we, we've been doing a lot of cocktails at home, easy to, to replicate. And the idea is always to stay in this kind of like uh, in this direction. So it's a cocktail that's uh, that's a lot of things that I like. So you have a little bit of sweetness, you have a little bit of nuttiness, a little, it's not overly sweet, you have a little bit of, uh, of dryness cutting through, and uh, it, it features Calvados, which is one of my favorite spirits, since we've been talking a lot of it. Uh, it has Calvados, which has been infused with grilled banana peels. So basically, you just eat a banana, and instead of just throwing out the peel that's left there, you just take it and chuck it into, a, into an oven. And you let it brown. And as soon as it gets um, like darker or almost black on both sides, you take it out and you, uh, you just take 100 milliliters of avocados and one banana peel. And you just let it infuse together during night, a night. Next day, you can filter it up and you use 35 milliliters of that Calvados plus Dubonnet, which is an aperitif based on red wine infused with a little bit of quinine, a little bit of uh, other spices. So it's, uh, it's a sweet red wine that kind of remembers sweet vermouth. Um, then you have a little bit of Rancio Sec, which is a really forgotten uh, dry wine, totally fermented dried wine from uh, southwest France 
which is going to bring all the nuttiness. If you think about uh, cherries, probably you're going to understand a little bit the kind of uh, product I'm talking about. It's the French answer to cherries, to dry cherries. Uh, and in the end, we did a little bit of, um, of a liquor based on malted barley. The malted barley they use to, uh, to make stouts and porters, beers. So really chocolatey and coffee-like a little bit. And just add a little, a little uh, bar spoon in it. So you have Calvados, banana peel, uh, rancid sec, Dubonnet, and this liquor. So all of it is going to go really, really nice. It's going to be a little bit of, a, of waves in your mouth of different flavors. You have a little bit of sweetness, then the dryness, then the nuttiness, and, uh, and the fruitiness of Calvados that goes as a, as a base for all of it. I don't know if, Fantastic. I, if, it was, if it was pretty understandable, if it was easy to understand, but that was in my mind. <laughs> it was. I think, I think, I think I've got it. So, but just in case, send me over the recipe just sure, in case sure, so I can sure. make sure I get it exactly right in the show notes. Uh, and of course, um, the name it was Bananas No. The name is Bananas mm-hmm. No because the, um, the garnish, it's uh, a frozen banana snow that you make, basically you make freeze a banana you you freeze a banana in your in your freezer you take it out and just rape grape it on top not rape it rape it or not how you say uh, 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 grate you grate it you grate it yeah you mm-hmm. freeze the banana you take it out and you grate it on top of the drink so it makes this this kind of like parmesan grated cheese thing on top and it, it goes it adds another layer to the to the drink I love it. That sounds like something that's kind of fun and unusual that people can, but people can actually make it at home. So I'm going to say thank you for the recipe and thank you for joining me. And uh, we're at the end of our 28 minutes. So I'm going to wrap up. Um, Is there anything else you need to add before I close up? Not really. Thank you for having me here, Forrest. And uh, I look forward to to see you soon and uh, when the bars open, hopefully. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, I think yeah. by the time this airs, hopefully this will air when the bars are open so people can, uh, you know, immediately listen and then together. run out the bar. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Forrest. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this month's episode. So come back next month and we've got more good stuff going on. If you're looking for more cocktail talk between shows, head over to 52martinis.com. And as always, thank you to today's guest. Thank you to you listeners for tuning in or downloading. Additional thanks to World Radio Paris for editing and production. And thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use. I will put hashtags or I will put links to all of these things and stuff we mentioned in the show in our show notes. So you can always go back and refer to the show notes to find out more about everything we've talked about. As usual, I remind you to drink responsibly. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.